This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, if you have found yourself in the past few months struggling a little bit spiritually, this message is for you. If you have found that this has been a difficult environment to be in, then this message is for you. And it's a message that has a lot of hope in it. It's called getting back on track. Now, one of the things that we have seen is what I call this current darkness that we are living in, and we have to understand the environment that we're living in. Uh, one of the first things is that right now, the things that are being magnified in our country are fear, division, and strife. Those, those are the things that are getting all the headlines, and they're being magnified. And uh, that, that, that certainly doesn't add to the environment. It detracts from it. Uh, we're being bombarded with negativity. Uh, I, I am amazed at just like at new levels of lev- at negativity they're able to come up with. And it's, it's, anywhere, it's everywhere you go. If you go on the television, if you go internet, if you go social media, it's, it's amazing how much negativity just keeps coming our way. And it reminds me of a story of uh, these two farmers. One was very positive, the other one was the opposite. He was very negative. And the positive farmer, they'd come out on a beautiful day. They'd see each other across the fence. And the positive farmer would say, what a beautiful day. And the uh, negative farmer would say, yeah, well, if this sun keeps shining, it's going to burn up all the crops. <laughs> so they would, he would come out on a day when it's raining, and he would look across the fence, and it's pouring down rain. And, and the positive farmer said, isn't, isn't this rain great? And the negative farmer said, yeah, if it keeps on raining like this, it's going to drown all the crops. We'll never get a harvest. Well, the positive farmer finally got tired of talking to this guy. He kept looking for ways he could shut him up. So he finally found him. And he got, and he invited him to go with him, and they went duck hunting. And the positive farmer had a brand new dog. It was a new hunting dog. And so they're sitting in the blind. Some ducks flew over. They shot him. A couple of the ducks fell. And, and the positive farmer smiles. He looks down at this new dog. He says, go get him, boy. And the dog steps out of the blind and walks all the way across the water, picks up a duck and walks all the way back, and then starts walking out for the other one. And and the negative farmer just watches him for a bit. Finally, he turns to the positive guy and goes, that dog really can't swim, can he? (laughs) And I thought, that's what we're dealing with. It's it's how negative can we go on this? You know, if, if, if Jesus had lived during this time, I can see the headlines. Preacher sleeps while terrified volunteers try to keep rowing the boat. It would, you know, there would be something, something negative about it. And so that, that, that negativity isn't helping us. That adds to the environment. And then the fact that we've been isolated. And, you know, it's, things have loosened up in Texas, and now they're tightening up again in Texas. And what it does is it isolates us from one another, from our family of faith, I feel for my mom. My mom is back in North Carolina. She's in a retirement home and they've been isolated for over a hundred days. And that's tough on, on people. And so I, I know it's tough on the, on the folks in that home. It's, it's tough on us. So as, as we look at this environment, I've talked with very few people who've, who've told me, you know, Alan, this time has been one of the greatest spiritual times of my life. I, you, you're just not hearing that. But... The Bible addresses that. And it talks about the fact that even though we're in darkness, this darkness was never meant to dominate us. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes to the church, this is the New Living Translation, and it reads this way. It, 
There you go. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. I love how Paul addresses that. He says, hey, we're in darkness, but you are not children of darkness. He reminds us of who we are. And we are not children of darkness. We are children of light. There is light in us. Light is always greater than darkness. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so we're the lights in this dark place. So darkness is never intended to dominate us or dull us down. And then he warns them. He warns us and says, be alert. Another word that you see, and depending on translation, is the word watch. If you look up that word watch, you'll see it used in reference to being alert spiritually. You see it used at least 20 times. Jesus talks about watching and praying. The Bible talks about watching, standing fast. And so it's always a message to the church that during these times like this, this is not a time to get sleepy and dull. This is the time to be alert because when dangerous times are there, you're a lot more alert. A number of years ago, uh, our family always likes to go down to the Gulf Coast, uh, the Florida Gulf Coast during this time. Skipped it this year, but a few years ago, when we were down there, some sharks had bit some people. On, on the, and so they had like shark alerts. How many of you know if there's a shark alert, if you go in the water, you're incredibly aware of, of what's going on. Anything you bump, you know, you're standing in ankle deep water looking for a shark. You know, it's, it's, it's you're alert because it's a more dangerous situation. This is really what the, the scriptures are telling us. This is not the time to be sleepy. This is not the time to be dulled down. This is the time to watch and be alert and be clear headed because we're not of the darkness. We're of the night and we can stay strong in times like this. Where well, you're thinking, well, great, Alan, I wish you talked to me about this like months ago because, you know, I've already kind of had a hard time. Well, I want to give you the story of a guy who a, a, a strong, biblically powerful man of God who was used mightily, who went off the rails. And then we're going to find out what not to do by looking at his life. His, his name might surprise you. It's a very famous prophet by the name of Elijah, one of the most mightily used prophets of God. And he was, uh, Elijah was the one who, when the nation of Israel turned away from God, it was Elijah that said, I, I, he prayed, and it stopped raining for three and a half years, which just devastated their economy. And uh, they finally had a big showdown on Mount Carmel, Elijah versus 850 false prophets. And Elijah said, here's the, here's the test. We're going to pray. You set up an altar. I'll set up an altar. The God who answers by fire is the real God. And so the false prophets prayed, nothing happened. Elijah prayed, God sent fire, consumed everything. Elijah then killed 850 of those prophets, which is a lot of people. And, and then he prays again, and there's a, a, a mighty rainstorm. I mean, this guy, this is, this is having a spiritually good day. And, and then we're not done. And then it's raining. And King Ahab is on his horse with his chariots. And the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came on Elijah and he tucks his coat into his belt so he could run and outruns the horses all the way back to the city. Someone said one time, well, the reason he was able to do that is because the chariots got plugged, plugged down in the mud. Hey, 
Don't take the miraculous away from my God. He still does amazing, miraculous things. We need a miracle working God, not, not a God who used to do stuff. And so, listen, every time I see a miracle in the Bible, I will, hey, that's the same God that I serve. He's my father. He's still doing amazing things. So Elijah, Elijah had a great day. He had a great day till he got back in town. And let's see what happens. Ahab told Jezebel, now Jezebel is something to never name your daughter after. <laughs> mean woman, all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she's a heathen woman swearing by her gods, I'm gonna kill you. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, uh, here's, a, here's a powerfully used man of God who just goes completely off the rails. But let's see what to do. First thing we find out is that, that this time he's running, but he's running apart from God. You know, he never prayed about it. He never asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with this, this, this lady Jezebel? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Everybody has something that gets to them. He stood down all these prophets. I mean, he stood down and faced 850 prophets which tells you that the majority is not always right and the majority doesn't always win. And as he, as he faced these prophets, he confronted, he confronted Ahab. He's this bold man, but Jezebel scared him. And I, I won't even delve into that, uh, but he was, this woman terrified him. And so instead of praying, instead of confronting her, he just up and ran. And he, and he really ran w without even inquiring of the Lord. So isn't that kind of amazing? A guy who has all this amazing miracles in his life and a lady says, I'm going to kill you. And he takes off and runs. But then we also see that's not where he stopped. Then he left his servant in Beersheba. Now his servant was someone who was there to help him, there to, to support him, there to be, a, and nothing else to be a, a companion for him. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't send people out in ones? He always sends them out at least in twos because two can encourage one. So he left his servant. Now he's all by himself. And he goes out into the, to the wilderness even farther and, and lays down under a broom tree. Don't know what a broom tree is, but this is where you see Elijah have what you would call a, a self-pity time. And he begins to pray and he's praying and, and he's basically, he said, you, you can hear, this is dramatic. I've had enough, he said. One translation says, Lord, I've had enough. Just kill me. Just kill me. He didn't want to die. If he'd wanted to die, he could have stayed in town and Jezebel could have helped him with that. He didn't want to die at, at all. He was 
he's, now he's being overdramatic. Lord, just, just kill me, Lord. I've had enough. Now, you say, Alan, how do you know he's having a, a, a self-pity time? Well, if, if, you, if you actually read a little bit farther along, Elijah winds up in a, in a cave and the Lord asks him a question. The Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, he said, I have been zealous for the Lord my God. In other words, I, I love God. And these people, <laughs> the children of Israel, they have torn down your altars and they have broken your covenant and I'm the only one that's serving God and they're trying to kill me. He tells the Lord that twice. And so what you can see is Elijah's in a situation where he's just, he's kind of got this self-pity thing going on. And then he says, I don't know where this comes from. I'm no better than my father's. What's that got to do with anything? It kind of sounds like a, it's going to take a better man than me. Lord, just, just kill me. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all of our prayers? <laughs> because he didn't kill him. In fact, what we really see here is the, is the goodness of God. Because when Elijah lay down and slept, the Bible said that an angel touched him. Now, it's obvious that the angel wasn't irritated. It didn't say, and the angel slapped him upside the head and said, get up and eat some food. The angel touched him and said, here's some food. And he lay down, slept again, and he ate. That's the smartest thing he did was eat that supernatural food that enabled him to go for 40 days and 40 nights until he came to a certain place. He went off the rail. And yet God was so merciful to him. Now let me talk to you for a second. Maybe you feel like spiritually you've kind of gone off the rails. I think one of the things to understand is this. We're all human. And all of us have things that get to us. Now it, what gets to you may not get to me. What gets to you may not get to your spouse. I know I, there are times I've, I've looked at joy and like, what? Snap out of it. I learned a long time ago that snap out of it has never been an effective phrase. It just doesn't work. But maybe this is why the Bible tells us not to judge. Because what bothers you may not bother somebody else and vice versa. We're human. And so if you feel like you've been running and just running out of fear and you're running away from God, I got good news for you. You can recalibrate and you can go back. Thank God. God's not disgusted with you. And if you feel like you have not really been that sharp spiritually, aren't you glad we can always make an adjustment? We can recalibrate our heart and we can make a change. You say, well, how do I even do that? Let me, let me give you just some simple things. First one is go back and remember some of the things God has done for you. I bet if I, if, if, you know, we don't, we don't have time to do testimony times where we just let people have a microphone that can get dangerous. But there, there used to have, a lot of churches used to have testimony times where people would stand up and share about what God's done. I, I actually miss some of that because it's, it's good to remember what God has done and it, it blesses the one who's sharing the testimony probably as much as it blesses anybody else because you get to recount all that God's done. Joy and I sat down the other day at breakfast and began to go over some of the things that happened in our 38 years of marriage and how God had helped us and how God had sustained us and how God had been there for us. And you just start talking about those things and it stirs you up on the inside because you remember God is good. And if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even be here right now. And so we're grateful for that. You start to remember and then that's the next one. You begin to recognize his presence. And the best way to recognize his presence is with thanksgiving and with prayer. 
Just talk to him again. Maybe you haven't talked to the Lord lately. You can talk to him. Just talk in your regular tone of voice. You don't even need to use King James English. Just talk in the way you normally talk and just talk to the Lord and then thank him and be grateful for all he's done. I don't know about you, but the Lord's help. Listen, I'm thankful that I recovered from this, from this COVID-19. I'm thankful that I wasn't in the hospital. I'm thankful that Joy's still married to me, even though I gave it to her. I am thankful that we're still, that we're getting stronger every day. There's a lot of things that you can start to give thanks for. And as you give thanks for them, what it does is it reminds you of God's presence, that you recognize his presence in your life. I don't know about you, but just coming in here and singing is, is something that it blesses us because we're praising God. We're remembering and we're giving thanks for all the good things he's done. I love that song that Justin sang today from graves to garden. There's no one better than you. You're the only one that can. We got a good God so we can give thanks. And the last one is begin to express that you're relying on him. Wednesday night, Billy Hunt did such a marvelous job. She filled in so well for me. I appreciate Billy and Clayton and Derek who filled in while I was gone. And I very much appreciate that. But Billy talked about meditation and she talked about the verse that our staff has meditated on for over a year. Joy has them do it every prayer time. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Listen, if you feel like you've been running and you've been running and God's not in it, then go back up and stop and say, Lord, I acknowledge you in all my ways and you'll direct my paths. What I acknowledge, you can direct. And so that goes back to our relying on him. So do that. Second thing to do is as much as possible, don't disconnect from the people that can help you. Now I realize that we have been, we've been out of church. We've been in church and it, and it looks like we're moving out again. And that's been difficult. But listen, if you're online, you can still connect with us. If you're online, you can still watch. You're still a part. We consider you family. I'm still your pastor. You can still believe that God will have a word that can help you and strengthen you and bless you. Don't disconnect from the ones that can help you. This, this, is, this is a time when we realize we do need one another. And having one another, a relationship with one another, having one another who to encourage one another. Listen, don't, don't lose contact with your, with your Christian friend. Text them, share a verse, tell them you're praying for them something that will bless their lives. Years ago, there was a pastor who had a member of his church who had been faithful for a long time and then completely dropped out of church. So these are in the days where pastors make visitations. Aren't you glad those days aren't anymore? So he, he went and visited, he knocked on the door. The man knew what he was there for, let him in. It's a cold night. They sat over by the fire. Both of them just sat in these big leather chairs staring at the fire. Pastor never said a word. Finally, he reaches over with the, with the tongs and he grabs an ember out of the fire and he sets it on the hearth and it flared for a little bit and then it began to die down and it got colder and colder and colder. Finally, just went dark and out. Pastor never said a word. They just kind of stared at the ember. Pastor got up to leave and before he did, he took those tongs again and he took the ember on the hearth and put it back into the fire where it immediately began to glow again. Man shook his hand as the pastor left and said, Pastor, thank you for visiting and thank you especially for your sermon. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> we, we need one another. We don't do well on our own. And if you get isolated, you're not in a good place. 
So make sure you stay connected to the body, even if it's online. Guys, that's still a connection. We still love you. We're still praying for you. It's still a great place to connect. And the next, the next thing I'm going to bring up is a little sensitive because it's something oftentimes that all of us have fallen into, and that's avoid the self-pity trap. Avoid getting into to self-pity. And you know, self-pity, it just, it, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't work out well. You start saying things that you don't mean, kind of like Elijah, Lord, kill me. You, you don't mean that. You, you, you begin to say things you don't mean. You begin to imply that God's not good or he's not fair. And, and it's, it, it feels good for a little bit, but it's like eating a gallon of ice cream. It starts off okay. It doesn't wind up too well in, in the end. And it's, it, it's, it feels good for a little bit, but then after a while you begin to realize this isn't helping me and it's, bless, it's not blessing me. And the challenge is this, guys. If we stay in self-pity too long, we can begin to develop a victim's mentality. Where everything, everything is against me. Everything is happening to me. And that's never what God calls us. He never calls us victims. He calls us more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in thinking along those lines, we're going, and listen, some of you have dealt with, saying, I, I get the prayer request. Uh, you dealt with sickness in your home, losing jobs, marital problems, family problems. I get it. And at a time that people have just kind of go, I, I just don't know what's going on and I, I feel so bad. You can come through this and God can help you. Dwight Eisenhower was 34th president. He was the, the general behind D-Day. And he, uh, he said, talking about his mom, he said his mom was a godly woman, good woman. And he said he wished during his time in the presidency that she had been alive. He would have loved to have talked with her. He said, but they were playing cards one night at their farmhouse when he was a young man and the mom was the dealer and she dealt, she dealt Dwight a very bad hand and Dwight looked at his hand. He began to complain. Finally, his mom heard enough. She said, everybody put your cards down. She said, I have something to say. She said, and especially to you, Dwight. And uh, everybody put the cards down, looked at mama and she said this. She said, Dwight, you were playing cards at home with your mother and your brothers where there's love. She said, but in life, you're going to get dealt some bad hands where there is no love. She said, don't complain. Don't whine. She said, play the hand you've been given. Ask God to help you and you will win at the game of life. That's some good advice. Guys, we've been dealt some hands. Listen, as, as a pastor, nothing breaks my heart more than having church start, stop, start. It's hard, but we have to play the hand we have. But here's what I believe. Whatever hand I have, God carries the, the bigger cards. He can help us. He can get us through. We're going to come through this, guys. And we're not going to complain. We're going to rejoice because the scripture said, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. It's like Justin saying, we're going to raise a hallelujah right slap dab in the middle of the darkness. And we're going to come through and not yield over to self-pity. Just not a good way to go. Here's the last one. We need to do what Elijah did. We need to feed for the journey, not for the moment. Now, let me explain that just for a moment. Feed for the journey. There's so many things that you can feed on. We, we as this generation have more input available to us than any other generation ever has. But all the information that's coming our way doesn't necessarily strengthen us spiritually. A lot of it is what I call cotton candy. You might remember cotton candy. Just go to the, go to the fair and get cotton candy. They still make, they still make it, don't they? 
it, it's worthless stuff. But um, <laughs> you get it because it's, it's all big and puffy and, you know, it, it looks amazing. And you, you take a big handful of it and it goes down to nothing in your mouth. And then it causes you to go into a sugar coma because it's does nothing but coma. And, and it's, 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 it's nothing. And that's, honestly, that is so much of the input that we're dealing with today. It's cotton candy. It looks, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is entertaining. It's nothing. It's not feeding you. We need to feed for the journey, especially if we're dealing with difficult times. Let's eat something that helps us. Feed on good books that'll help you. Feed on, let me tell you, the best thing to feed on is God's word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. God's word is what feeds you. The psalmist said this in Psalms 119, when he said, my soul melts from heaviness, strengthen me according to your word. Joy was um, struggling. She, she, she got hit harder than I did. And, and she was struggling the other day, but she got her Bible out and begin to, to write down healing scriptures and go through them. And she said, she just all afternoon, she's reading healing scriptures and just had bunches of them written down and going through in her Bible. And she said, after that, she said, that helped her. And she told me the other day, she said, I turned a corner. And I'm so grateful that she did turn a corner, but God's word will strengthen you. If you're in heaviness, it will lift you. If you're weak, it will strengthen you. It will do something for you. And it's not as easy to eat. Listen, eating eating cotton candy is easier than eating broccoli. But broccoli's better for you. Eating God's word, it, it, it takes sometimes some concentration. She said, I just kept reading and kept reading. She said, and it, it helped me. It's life. It's medicine. Feed for the journey, not for the moment. You know, if you're, when, when Elijah was in the cave, the Lord spoke to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah kind of went through his long winded thing about how he was the only one. He kept telling God, I'm the only one serving God. Finally, God answered Elijah. He said, Elijah, I got 7,000 people who have not bowed their knee to Baal or kissed his lips. So Elijah thought he was the only one. God said, no, 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 there's a whole lot more. Listen, if you're looking at everything that's going on in the world around you, go, the whole world's going crazy. The whole world's going to hell. Nobody is serving God anymore. That is not true. There are still millions of us who love God, who serve God, who are, who are just fired up for God, and we're going to continue to do that. So listen, the voices coming at you may be the majority, but the majority is not always right, and the majority does not always win. We stay with God. We stay on his side and we can get back on track. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for those who are here and those who are watching online. I thank you that your intention is that we stay strong, that we continue to shine as lights in the dark world. And Father, thank you that you will strengthen us, give us wisdom, and can strengthen us for the journey. So Father, thank you. For those that are discouraged, Thank you that you lift them. For those who have been down, Father, thank you that, that you encourage them, strengthen them. And Father, for those who felt like they are so, have so disappointed you, thank you for your love for them and your desire to have them walk close to you. Lord, we give you all the praise for that. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Now, his heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Today, if you say, you know what, Alan, I am. I'm not sure that I even have a relationship with the Lord or, or I did at one time, but I've gotten so far away from God. Or well, we're going to say a very simple but powerful prayer. 
needs. And if you're sitting here in this auditorium or if you're at home, this is a, a prayer for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But if that's you that I'm talking to, if you're at home, you can, you can simply just click one of those buttons that says, I, I want to receive Jesus. If you're here and that's you today and you say, Alan, I, I don't know or I've, I've gotten away from God, would you pray for me? Just quickly slip your hand up and, and wave it at me. And then, Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to. Maybe you're in a room full of people. You can pray this quietly. But if you're here to, with, uh, with us here in the auditorium, you can go ahead and pray it out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you for your mercy, for your love, for those who've come home and for those who've come into the family for the very first time. We rejoice with them at the change that's taken place in them and the fact that you're at work in them to will and do of your good pleasure. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.